of Kevin Fricker. Uh, Kevin is a pastor of City Center Church. Some of you uh, know that, some of you attend, and some of you uh, are from there. And so we are really honored from the beginning of Resurgence. Kevin has been a big supporter of us. I remember when we started on the first day, he called me and he goes, man, I'm scared, but I'm excited for what God's going to do. And uh, he's like, I'm praying for you. And so we just are really honored to have him share, share his heart tonight. And so give a warm welcome to Kevin Frigger. <clears throat> I'm scared. Nice text. Way to start the first resurgence. Hey, I'm scared. Hopefully I said a little more than that. Good to see you guys um, and great to be here. Um, I want to do a quick shout out. Shout out. Listen to me. Old 40s saying shout out. I uh, want to say hi to Kai. It's his birthday tomorrow, and he's turning eight years old, and he's here tonight. So, Kai, happy birthday, dude. Yeah, man. Anyway, rafters, family, friends, love you, Kai. So, uh, Genesis chapter 3. Can you turn into your scriptures to Genesis chapter 3? Uh, if you didn't bring your hard copy, please tr- turn into your iPhones, your iPads, or just grab the persons beside you and say you're reading scripture. All right, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, this is probably a passage that I'm guessing a lot of you in the room uh, would be familiar with. And um, uh, I don't know, you guys, are we recording tonight? Can we not? Can it be edited later, perhaps? Just keep all the best parts and... Uh, You're worried now. Like, he's all like, what are you going to say? Anyway, maybe it's a hot room. I've got to keep people awake, so I thought I'd throw out the odd thing here and there to keep everybody up. Listen. All right. Um, I I really wanted to just uh, to not come tonight as a speaker, but to come tonight as um, just someone who has a heart for for where you guys are at in your life, your journey. Um, Yeah, and to be an encouragement to you. And and so tonight, uh, I'm, I'm resisting preacher mode, if that makes any sense, because I just... I really want to come tonight, you guys, to be an encouragement to you in your journey with, with God and your faith, right? So uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. Two weeks ago, I, I, I just okay, Lord, it's coming up uh, the 9th. Uh, what? What? And I got this passage, and I, I'm like, God, there's a better passage. I'm sure there is, right? There's, there's this more exciting scripture to share from. And, um, and they've heard some really good preachers and speakers there, and I'm going to show up with Genesis 3, the fall. Like, really, God, is this what you're going to... And I prayed every day for you guys, and it kept coming, Genesis 3, Genesis 3. And um, so we're going to be at Genesis 3. It's an awesome passage, you guys, right? Like, I am so excited tonight to share it with you. And, and you know what? Um, with what's happened in my life as the last two weeks praying for you guys, I am excited. Okay, so uh, I've titled tonight's message, Hide and Seek. And really, uh, I don't want to be trite about what happens in Genesis 3, because it's, I don't want to be, it's the game of hide and seek with God and Adam and Eve. Da, da, da. So that's not where I'm going with this, but, but I hope you'll, you'll hear um, uh, the truth and the application that I think I have for us tonight, all right? So... Um, when my, old, my oldest son, he's 17 years old, when, when he was just a little guy, and, and you know what, probably one of the first games we learn is hide and seek, right? Uh, think of when you see a newborn baby, what do you do? You go, aboo, right? It's probably, like, isn't that horrible, right? Welcome to the world, boo, right? But whatever. We, 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 the first, first game probably that I played with my kids would be the game of hide and go seek. And now when, when Curtis was little, um, he would come up and say, Dad, Dad, let's play hide and go seek. Let's play. All right, okay, son, you go and hide, right? And I'd go up against the wall, and I'd just start counting one, two. And then he'd say, I'm ready, Dad, I'm ready, I'm ready. And so I'd go and look for him, and he always had the exact same hiding place, right? 
So, hey, by the way, whatever I'm saying about my son has nothing to do with his mental capacity, okay? It's just this is the way life played out for him, okay? So I'm telling you that because I, I would walk into the same room where he always hid, and he would have his face down to the ground and go, come find me, Daddy, right? So I'm like, son, you're right there. And I look at my wife going, he's right there. Really? This is the best he can do. Like, what's his future going to look like, right? And so I would play around, look in the couch, and, hey, are you here? And he'd, he'd giggle away, right? And he thought he was just in the best place, that, that the dad would never find him uh, in this, this little place. And he would giggle, giggle, and sure enough, I would trip over him on the floor, right? Same game. We did all the time, right? But every time, this was an awesome hiding spot right here in the middle of the floor. And I think in some ways in our relationship with God, you guys, we think that we, are, that we have this great hiding spot. Right? We think we have this place where God can't find us, where, where we are, in some sense, untouchable and maybe unknowable in that area. And I really think that when God looks down at us, he goes, are, are you kidding me? Really? You're going to lay here in the middle of the floor and giggle and think we've, you've got something hidden from me. And, and it's just a silliness of games. Uh, as a youth pastor, I used to play the game sardines. Anybody played sardines? Yeah, see, the people who lost are the ones with their hands down. Right? They're like, no, what a stupid game, right? Um, anyway. Uh, so the game sardines, the way it works is you have everybody in the room like now, right? And I would say, okay, now we're going to ask one person to go hide. And then we're going to wait for a while. And then we're going to send the whole group to come find you. And once they find you, whoever finds you has to hide with you. So if the person would hide in like in a really small space, it was awesome. Because now you got like 50 people all crammed into the small space, right? And, and the last guy to find him felt like an idiot because everybody else found the guy, right? Anyway, well, there's one time we played the game. This guy hid, and he hid so well that everybody came back to the room going, we can't find him. Let's play a different game. <laughs> so being a loving, caring youth pastor, I cared that these people were bored. So I'm like, let's play another game, right? An hour later, dude shows up, right? And he's like, what happened to sardines, right? And I totally, totally forgot about the kid, and I felt so bad for him, right? He said, I hid, and you guys didn't come find me. Like, dude, you hid too good, man. Like, we, we didn't know where you were. And he was totally, the, the whole point of sardines is to be found, right? That's the fun, is when you're hiding there, and you're nervous, and you're kind of, got nervous pee, right? Like, oh, I got to go. Somebody find me, right? And then everybody comes and jams around, and everybody else gets nervous pee, and you're like, oh, this is so funny, right? Anyway, the whole point of hide-and-go-seek is, is to be found, to just hide and hide and to not have anybody look for you is not a game at all. It's not something that any of us wants to really be a part of. But I think we've all, in some way, have played this game of hide-and-seek with God. Anyway, let's look at Genesis chapter 3. Um, I do have it on the slide, so if you don't mind, Lori. Yes? Uh, Lori, to put the slides up for me as I read them, that'd be awesome. Okay, so starting at verse 1, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals uh, the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Uh, Verse 4. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. 
verse 6, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Now, verse 7, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Here's what I want you to write down, okay? Mark it down. Whatever you, what do you use for writing notes? So it's not a trick question. It's not Jesus. It's what? Okay, a pen. Oh, pen, that's creative. That's great, right? Pen, pen use a notes app. Use something because I want you to write down some notes, all right? Uh, this is how this works. I'm going to be talking, and I'm trusting that God is talking to you and has a way better sermon right? So while I'm talking, you're going to hear something. There's going to be a scripture. There's going to be a thought that I want you to capture, and I don't want you to miss because God is saying it tonight because we're together, okay? But here, uh, show me the next point for me. Uh, sin always separates. Sin always, can we say that together, please? Sin always separates. And listen, it separates us, and we're going to talk about two of these. It separates us from our relationship with God, but it also separates our relationship for one, uh, one another, right? Which, by the way, the spirit, spirit brings unity, right? Spirit brings unity. Sin always separates. Uh, so it separates our relationship to God, but it also separates us from those that are close to us. It separates us from the relationships that we, that we have, right? So let's talk a bit about uh, sin separates us from God. Just before I came tonight, um, the kids are scouring our fridge, and they're pull- my youngest pulls out a Klondike sandwich, Right now, doesn't that just sound good? I shouldn't have said that out loud because I'm like, Klondike. Anyway, okay, so he pulls up the Klondike sandwich, and I say, Kate, don't don't pull it out. We're going to have dinner. I got to leave. Please don't get it. And anyway, next thing I know, on the counter, there's this open package for one of those Klondike ice cream sandwiches, right? Caden is a messy eater. Anyone else here messy eaters? Confessions for messy eaters. All right, Lord, we pray pray for messy eaters. Anyway, Caden is like, when he eats, it's like, it's like there right? And so he comes into the kitchen, won't make eye contact with me, and I go, hey, Kate, how's it going? He looks away, good, Dad, doing awesome. Uh, Kate, come on, let's have a talk. I got to leave soon. I just want to see how things are going. Uh, it's all right, Daddy. Don't look at me, Daddy. Don't look, don't look. I'm like, Kate, what's, what's going on with you? He, told, he totally, right? He knew, don't look at me, Daddy, right? And I think that when we get involved in sin and we get the mess of sin in our lives, you guys, we look at God and we say the same sort of thing. We say, stop, don't look at me, daddy. And we look away and we want to try to continue on our relationship in life anyway. So sin separates and it separates our relationship with God. And the other thing that I wanted to say is sin separates us from one another, right? It's interesting how they both hid in these bushes. And not only do they hide, but they try to come up with this new... um, this new fashion relief, right? Figage, right? So is that too visual? People are like, what are you doing there? Yeah, sorry about that. Okay, so they took a fig leaf and they made clothing out of this, right? And, and they were in shame and embarrassment. And it's, it's funny, I understand that. Because when I mess up, when I do something wrong, and, and I know that God is so aware, everything inside of me wants to try to make it better. Everything inside of me wants to try to make it right. Everything inside me wants to try to cover this thing up because it's not really as bad as it looks, right? So here we find this beautiful couple who had just enjoyed the beauty of the garden, and we we find them that they had tried to repair their own damage, trying to find relief to the fact of where they are with God. Okay, show me verse 8 for me on the screen, could you? Oh, man. All right, let me read it. 
I need my glasses. Okay. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Okay, this is cool. Scholars believe that what's being written there is that they had become so familiar with the sound of God walking in the garden that what this is showing us is that God was so frequent at walking in the garden that they recognized right away, Dad's coming, because they'd heard the sound so awesome, so often. Man, I, okay, so I'm at home, and I, I, sit, I just sit back in my chair and go, God, what would it be like to, to just know your presence? Because we're, you're coming, and I know, here he is, he's coming, he wants to walk with me. He wants to spend time with me. What would it be like to, to be able to share in that moment with you? Anyway, I just thought that was a really, really cool thing, right? That they would recognize the sound. But the, the other thing that I thought was really, really cool what was the fact that as God is walking the garden, he could be in the heavens, right? With all these angels, the beauty of the heavens. He could be roaming the earth and the beauty of the earth. But yet, for some reason, we read in Genesis 3 that God, in the cool of the day, all right, is walking in this, this lush, beautiful garden. Why? why? Why is God walking the garden when he could be in so many other beautiful places? And the only thing I can really think of, you guys, is that he was there to be with Adam and Eve. And I'm just hit with such humility, realizing that God wants to walk with me. God longs to walk the earth, to walk with me. And I think where a lot of us are willing to work for him, he wants us to walk with him. And that's a quote I stole from somebody a year ago that just wrecked my life. Because it made me realize, man, it's true, right? We, we still want to do things and impress God. Meanwhile, he just he wants to be with you. He, he's chosen to walk this earth in order to share in this relationship with Adam and with Eve. And, and God, God wants to share that with, with you and with me. So, so why hide? Why were Adam and Eve hiding? And what, what comes to mind, you guys, is the word shame. Now, the root of the word shame actually means to cover. So I thought, that's interesting, right? Because that's what they did. They made these big leaves and they, they, they covered themselves. False fronts. That's what kept coming to mind. And what the image that kept coming to mind, can you show me the next slide? Universal Studios. Anybody been there? Been there? Yes, everybody? Uh, I need to go there. All right, now. Uh, but what's really cool about Universal Studios is all the details on these storefronts and these movie sets, right? Um, anyway, there was an, a huge airplane scene that they had created, recreated this accident for a movie anyway. It was, it was just amazing to see the amount of attention and detail that had created in these fronts. And then as you walk behind, you see it's all just plywood and two-by-fours, and it's, it's like, it's garbage, it's empty. There's nothing really there. And and I was so moved, you guys, about how much time do I spend on my facade? How much time do I spend on my storefront to make sure that all the details are in place? To make sure that when people see from the front, man, what they see is something awesome, beautiful, something that looks so alive, something so real. But yet, as you walk into the entrance of the store or the hotel, you would see there, that as you walk into this place, you you see it's it's empty. there's, There's nothing there. And it broke me. And I, okay, anybody use Facebook? Let's ask that question straight up. If you use Facebook, go ahead, confess, raise your hand. Everybody, this is okay. This is all right. You're not a sinner. It's okay, all right? You're going to hell. Um, uh, Facebook, here's, the, here's, here's what I find with attention to Facebook, you guys. Um, I'm going to show you a, a short video clip in just a second. But 
I, I find that there's, um, you just heard of FOMO, right? It's the new anxiety diagnosis, a fear of missing out. And um, it's an anxiety that's been diagnosed with, uh, with people who are watching Facebook and seeing great lives of other people, right? And how their lives are so amazing. They do so many cool things. And my life sucks. And why is my life like this? And um, I, I really feel prompted, you guys, to, to, say, to, to say to you, like, let's, let's resist the, the facades. Let's resist the fronts. Because if we can't see through it, I'll tell you right now, the world can and uh, anyway, I was watching, I'm not even sure what I was watching, but they, they showed this really short, uh, right this minute, I think it's called, it's about YouTube videos. And they showed this really short video that these guys had made about a guy who, as you're going to watch, he, he's looking at Facebook and he sees the great life of other people, how they're in relationships and his relationship isn't so great. So he lies about his relationship and he gets a like on his page and he's like, oh, that's kind of cool. So then you're going to see a, a scene where he drives his car out to a cliff. It's kind of fog, and he takes a selfie of him, and it looks like he's jogging. But the reality is he just pulled up in his own car, right? Uh, he comes home, and um, his girlfriend is having a relationship with someone else. And he lies about how that plays out. Anyway, I'm going to show you the video, and then I'll just make a few comments about it, okay? And, and heads up, listen, I'm, I'm not here preaching against Facebook. That's not what this is about. What, what I wanted to talk about is I think that in each and every one of us, we look around and we see the great things that are happening in others. And so we try to prop things up in our life that aren't real. And I think God says, you know what, you don't, you don't need to do that. You, you don't need those props, those facades. Anyway, play that for me.
I just I want us to be raw and to say that all of it, all of us in this room can relate to parts of what he's going through there. And maybe even as you walked in this room, you saw somebody and you're like, man, they got their life so together. I just, I wish my life could be kind of like what hers is like or what his is like. Man, I wish my relationship with God was like what his relationship is like. Man, I wish in worship I could just respond to God like that. And, and it, the worst thing we could do is start setting up these false facades, these props that, that be, try to make us become that by acting that way. And so we hide. We hide behind these, these false props. I have a friend, his name is Terry Gurno. He uh, lives in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Uh, when Terry was in, in high school, um, he played football. And uh, he was a sophomore in high school when uh, at one of the practices, Terry went helmet to helmet with another guy. And as they go helmet to helmet, they big loud noise, bang! And Terry's helmet literally splits in half. And everybody's like, whoa, your helmet split. And Terry became famous in the high school, right? You're the guy. You're the guy who, like, broke the helmet. That's awesome. Well, before long, the seniors had heard about Terry's big hit in practice. And so they're like, dude, you got to come to our party because you got to tell people about that story. That's crazy. So he started to hang out with the senior football players, and he he would go to their party. And uh, Terry didn't drink or nothing like that, but sure enough, as soon as he walks in the door, People, hey, this is the guy I was telling you about. This is Terry. And they would hand him a beer. Terry had never sipped a beer in his life. He didn't know what to do with his beer. So he figured, well, I'll just walk around with it, right? And so he's walking around with his beer, hanging out with seniors, thinking he's something incredible. And, and people say, well, aren't you going to drink your beer? And so now he's realizing I got to do something with my beer. So he would walk around. He'd go to a plant, and he'd dump a little bit out. He'd go to the bathroom, and Terry would just fill in the toilet. And next thing you know... The word is, not only did this guy crack his helmet in half, can he drink, right? Because Terry had six, and he was still sober. He was good to go. (laughs) So next thing you know, Terry is known as this wild party man who's just an animal on the field, and man, can he drink. Well, it got to the point where Terry was worried that they'd find out what his story really was. And so he wanted to be believable. So as he was with people, he would just start having a sip. And next thing you know, Terry actually became the drinker everybody talked about. Last time when I hung out with Terry, he was driving me back to the airport and he says, you know, you know Kev, um, when I think back on those years, when I think of the, the game I was playing and what I was doing, what I was saying, uh, he was a pastor at the time, and he says, you know what, to this day, I, I don't know if, uh, if someone's going to surprise me to say I'm the father of their children because of the way my life went. And I, I will never, ever forget Terry's words that day, that the reminder that, you know what, you get into playing this game, you get into just, just practice this drama, next thing you know, it's interesting how the drama becomes you. Right? It's like a kid. You, you give a kid a Darth Vader costume, what do they do? Right? Oh, I'm Darth Vader, right? right? Or if they're Yoda, all of a sudden they're doing the whole Yoda talk. And it, they become the costume. And in some ways, when we do that, when we act, when we pretend, when we put on, we, we become. Man, you know what? As I share this with you guys, I, I hear God walking in the garden. And I recognize that sound. It's like, here he comes. 
So I think they experienced shame, and I also think that they experienced fear. Because I, I tried to think of when else do you hide, right? And, and what kept coming to my mind was like watching a movie or something like that, and something happens, and you go, ah! right? And you cover your face, you cover your eyes, and like that, right? What's happening next, right? I don't get how that helps, right? What's going to happen now, right? But anyway, you, you just cover up when we're, because we're feeling vulnerable. We're feeling open to attack or whatever, right? Which, which I, okay, I'm not a camper. I don't do the whole tent thing, okay? Because listen, I feel, okay, story, totally off. My apologies. Uh, we were camping in Penticton, and uh, when it was, I don't know, probably 11 or 12 at night, we had our, our, one of our kids sleeping with us in this little two-man tent. In the middle of the night, we hear this guy scream, help, help, somebody, help, right? My wife and I both sit up, and she looks at me, and she goes, aren't you going to do something? And I said, I thought you were, right? Modern women, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, <laughs> didn't go over there either. And, uh, uh, we just sat quietly, and we waited. So we're thinking, okay, what if there's a bear out there mauling a guy? Like, do we try to go rescue him? Well, surely someone else heard this, this voice, this screaming guy in this campground, right? And I, I realized then, do you know what tents are made out of? <laughs> have, you, have you thought about that before? A tent is like a big T-shirt, right? Cotton, polyester, whatever. It's like a big T-shirt that you're like, we're safe in here. Like, isn't that ridiculous? Right? Just be quiet. The bear won't get us in here. Right? Like, just like that. Anyway, what was I saying that for? Fear. Right? It's so funny how we just naturally, we want to cover. Right? When we're afraid, we just, we go under the blankets. Right? Did you see that? And I think in the same way, when Adam and Eve are caught in this moment of, of this new awareness of sin and the separateness that they have with God, I think they were scared. I think they were really afraid. Shame and, and, and fear. And yet, look at what God says in the very next verse. Can you put up verse 9 for me, Lori? It says, Then the Lord called to the man. Can we see those words together? Where are you? Now, I kind of have a hunch that he's not asking this for himself. Right? Where are you guys? Man, this is a big garden. Why did I make such a big garden? Right? I don't think that's where God was. I, 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 think, I think he's calling, giving them a chance to say, I'm over here. I think, I think he was expressing his grace and his mercy. I think in that moment he was saying to them, hey guys, Come on, where are you? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right? And, and he's expressing in that moment that he, he, he seeks the lost, that he seeks the fugitives, those who have broken the law. He goes after them. And wherever you're at tonight, and wh- whatever your relationship with God looks like, I want you to know that, that God is seeking you. He's looking for you. And we find it all through the Old Testament, right through the New Testament. We find a God who keeps calling them and inviting them, come, come near to me, right? Uh, Matthew, come, come all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest, right? But there's something in my mind that when I tell you guys that, flashes to a plaque that's on my grandma's wall, and it says this, but be sure 
your sins will find you out. Right? My grandma used to have this, this cat clock where the eyes would go, er, 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 right? Really creepy thing. And then she'd have this plaque right beside it. And I used to just lay there on, my, on the sofa reading that and looking at the creepy clock. But be sure your sins will find you out. And I was always in that tone. I don't know why. And I think sometimes when we hear God call out to say, where are you? We hear the voice of condemnation. We hear an angry dad who wants to deal with you. Come on, we're going to deal with this right now. Where are you? When I hear this, I hear about a a God who who loves and is calling an invitation to say, I'm giving you a chance to come out. Let's, Let's talk about this. It's like the husband and wife that are sitting together and the husband's playing on his iPad, looking at the news, looking at emails, looking at the day, and the wife is staring at him, wishing that he would just put the iPad down to talk. And she reaches across the table, grabs the iPad, looks him in the eyes and says, where are you? It's like the 17-year-old daughter that crashes home. She's wrecked, messed, been at a party. She's brokenhearted. She's bloodied. And she crawls into bed, and the dad sees her to her room. And the next morning, he sits at her bedside, and he says, where are you? I don't think it enters our mind that God misses us. I don't think we ever think that, that it's not about God saying, well, you were in trouble. Adam and Eve, come here. Oh, right, let's start this all over again. I don't think that that's what God is saying. Where, I think what God's saying, where are you, is, hey, I walk the garden every day. You know the sound of my footprints. Like, where are you guys? I miss being with you. That incredible thought. Isn't that amazing? Like, I hear that, you guys, and every religious thought in my life that's tried to make something of me or my faith, it just crumbled and shattered to realize that he just absolutely loves me. And he calls out, and he says to me, and he says to you, you guys, where are you? So what, what, what are your fig leaves? What are the things that you are covering yourself up with? What are the things that you're trying to do to kind of Make life a little better and do your own little repair job in your relationship with God because you don't have to hide anymore. Adam and Eve both come out. They fess up, right? They say, all right, I eat, I eat, okay. And Eve comes out and says, I eat. And the reality is you can only make excuses so long. Proverbs twenty-eight, thirteen, Joanne. Okay, it's so good, Proverbs 28, 13. Because when it comes to sin, here's your options. Okay, you can conceal or you can confess. Proverbs 28, 13. Write it down, man. Write it down because tomorrow you're going to do something stupid. And you're like, oh, right? And Proverbs 28, 13 is going to come in your head. You're going to remember, right, I can either hide my stuff or I can go, God, I confess this to you. All right? So you can conceal or you can confess and, uh, and renounce the sins. Now listen, I, had, I put renounce because I think it's important that we say confess your sins means you admit it. I did this, right? But renounce means that you want to break that sinful pattern in your life. And that's huge, right? Father, I confess to you this in my life and I renounce that pattern of this in my life. I don't want to be that person. 
right? First John talks a lot about habitual sin. Um, love life. Uh, anyway, it's great, okay? Um, but I, I, I want to end by putting up for you, give me the next slide, see if I got on there. Hide in me, not from me. And as we, just finishing up tonight, you guys, I want that to just be in your head. Hide in me, not from me. Uh, Psalm 32, if you could put that up for me, Lord. Uh, Psalm 32. Listen to what David says, all right? Uh, the, first, he's going to talk about the, how sin has just wrecked his life, and then he's going to talk about what it's like to find confession. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Next. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment for you are my hiding place. I don't hide from you anymore. I, I now hide in you. And that, that hiding in you means it's a place of shelter. It's a place of protection. It's like you've got something precious that you want to keep safe. So you hide it, right? All valuables removed from this God, Right? Uh, yeah, anyway, okay. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from my trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. And as I hear that, you guys, I hear David saying, hey, I, I've, I've tried to, to carry my sin. I've tried to hide this stuff. And it, it, you know what? He actually says it wrecked him physically. There may be some of you tonight that are having physical problems that the result of it might be sin, Right? Confess your sins to one another that you may be made healed. And I just think, man, be freed from that. Come, come out of hiding. And you guys, if we can't do that in this room, what hope do we have out there? Right? If we come here and we have to do... Anyway, you guys get that. All right? Sorry. Uh, all right. Kate and I still do hide-and-go-seek. It's still a great game, by the way, no matter what anybody says. Um, so this is how the game goes with Caden. With Caden, it goes, uh, Dad, let's play hide and go seek. Awesome, man, I'm in. Let me count. So I'll go up against the wall, and I'll count by fives up to 100. Five, 10, 15, 20, 30, 100. Right? And Cade's uh, hiding. Cade's hiding spot is in his bedroom closet. Always. All right? So I walk around. Hey, Caden, where are you? <laughs> it is the cutest giggle you'll ever hear, Right? That alone makes it worthwhile. So I'll go to a bedroom. Are you in the bed? No, just jump on the bed, right? And he's like, <laughs> are you in the bathroom? That's where you are in the bathroom. So I'll go walk in the bathroom and I'll say, you're in the shower. <laughs> Open the shower curtain. And I still hear him giggling in, the ba- in his bedroom. He just can't wait for me to find him, right? Are you in the toilet? That gets big laughs, by the way, right? <laughs> are you in the toilet? And I flush it. No, daddy, right? <laughs> Lift the lid. No, you're not in the toilet. And before I can even leave the bathroom, Caden's running out. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. So, you know, concerned about the intelligence level of my children, I sit down with him and I just, Caden, the way this game works, listen, son, is 
is I'm to find you. You hide, I come get you. My daddy, it's so much fun to be found by you. And I cry. Because I hear in this room God saying, where are you? Where are you? And I think for some of you, you've heard that as a voice of judgment. You've heard that as a voice that's just going against your shame and your guilt and your fear of, oh God, if he sees where I'm really at, what's going to become of me? And he wants us to come out and say, Daddy, I'm so excited to be found by you. Because he loves you. And he spent all creation, Old Testament, New Testament, to tell you that it's a new day. That separateness from sin was, was, was bridged by the cross of Jesus Christ. That Jesus goes on this cross to, to take that wrong that broke that relationship in the Garden of Eden. And now you have this relationship with him that is completely a father-son, father-daughter relationship with you. And so when he calls out and he says, where are you? Some of you in this room need to confess shame. Some of you in this room, you need to confess the fear. If, if there's stuff in your life, bring it to Jesus. Maybe you need to sit down with someone and say, hey, bro, I just wanted to tell you what's going on in my life. I want to tell you what's happening. And I'm totally humiliated to tell you this, but this is what's up. I'm addicted to porn. I'm a workaholic. I feel like suicidal. I'm depressed. Because see, those are things that we have. <clears throat> Did he just say that? I struggle with depression. I struggle with depression. And, and anyway, there's so many stigmas to all these things. Can we be a group? Can resurgence be a ministry that would say, hey man, wherever you come from, you come because Jesus wants to set you free. And he wants to, through your life, say, where are you? Not angry, not judging, not yelling, screaming, but a call to intimacy with Jesus. Man, you hear my heart, church? All right, let's stand up, man. Let's stand up. Band, come do what bands do um, in this moment. Um, I want to worship. I want to worship. Some of you are free tonight, too. Amen? Freak out. All right? Man, let's celebrate freedom in this room. And Trav, however you want to take the fear and the shame after, man. But, but let's, let's go there with God. He's here to set you free, man. He's here to invite you. Ah, okay, Jesus right now. I acknowledge that your holy presence is here in this room. Lord, I say right now that the voice that would say you are here to bring judgment, to bring condemnation, that, Lord, that that would be swallowed up by your love. No more living with lies. No more living with shame. No more living in fear. That, God, you call us your own. We worship you, Lord. Abba, Father, Daddy. We worship you. So right now, healing hand of Jesus, just begin to go up and down these ropes. Begin to soothe, Lord. Walls come down in Jesus' name.
resistance. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. was here I am and I think they're very powerful words here right now in this moment I in all my nakedness and all my faults me just me here I am there's no greater response when God calls. And I believe tonight, it's not just for one or two people tonight. Can we use this as our response to say, God, here I am. You don't even have to be like a total broken, you know, drug addict to say, here I am, God. You might just feel like that pull inside where God has been like, I've been pursuing you. I've been searching for you. And you just want to respond tonight. Here I am to church planters and I think it's going to happen through um, normal people through workers that 
you you are church planners in the sense that where God takes you, where God leads you, you're going to see people come to know Jesus. And that's how revival is going to happen. And um, so just on the way here, I was just, I was bawling my eyes out like an idiot and just had a sense, man, that there's, there's people here who are feeling like a launch. Like you're just feeling like there's something in me that you just feel. And the image I gave you was a rocket. Like you just felt the rumble of this, right? It's ready to go. And you want to, you're ready to pee your pants. You have no clue what this is going to look like or what's going to happen. And you're just holding on for dear life. But you know, it's time to go. It's time to launch. So here's what I want to do. If, if, if that's where you're at, would you raise your hand? I'm trying to follow the protocol. Raise your hand. And here's, here's what I want to Here's what I want to ask. Okay, don't get lazy on me here. I want you to go stand beside someone who's got their hand raised right now. All right? Come on, get out of your seats and go stand beside these people who are feeling launching. We're feeling that God is calling them to something specific. All right? Come on, look around. Don't let, don't let anybody be left alone. All right? Just stay, go up and stand beside somebody. There's, there's a dude up front here. Can I get some guys to come pray for this dude up front here? Let's not leave anybody alone. Right now, Listen, when you're afraid, you need people of faith, right? So just begin to pray for these people right now. Begin to pray courage. Begin to pray boldness. Begin to pray for trusting God for his direction. That he's not going to just send them and just let them go out. But that he has a plan. He foreknew before the creation of the world the things that he was going to do in you. And Lord, right now, We see people being launched. People being launched to doing your will and your purposes for revival for our nation. God, that people would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. No more to fear. No more to excuses. No more to lies. No more to the things of the past holding you from the things of the future. But God, that we hold on and trust when you speak that you will provide, that you will make a way, Lord. Like, God is sending them. And they're all looking at me like, yeah, man, I really feel God's sending me somewhere. Like, someone more specific than others. But I think all of you in some way feel God pulling on your heart, taking you somewhere. And it's a mystery. Right? Yes? All right. Can I ask people to pray for these guys? Nobody? Nobody to pray for these guys. Can I please... Let's pray for these people. Let's pray for Andrew. Okay, Andrew's moving in August, going into a new ministry. So let's stand with him. Play some passion for music. Robbie, let's pray for all these guys. Lord, this is revival in Canada. It's when ordinary people, normal people, embrace you and what you want to do. 
invite others to say, come, man, live free. Come know Jesus. I pray for resurgence. I pray for the ministry here. I pray for the leaders here. I pray, oh God, that you would launch them. Father, that what's in their heart would come to life, come to reality. No more excuses. God, your provision. How is it going to be possible? Lord, we don't know. Your kingdom come, Lord, today. Your will be done, Lord, today on earth as it is already done in heaven. Have a seat for a sec. I know he's bossy, right? Get up, sit down, go pray with somebody, leave me alone. I, I just want to listen for a sec. So I invite you to just close your eyes and just listen. What's, what's God saying? Some of you during right now, you might want to get your phones out or your pen and your paper out because you're going to hear something. Something's going to be spoken to you while we're just listening here.
Anybody have an encouragement they want to give us tonight? the Lord is saying uh, I am the light in the darkness I am the life I am the resurrection I am the love that's first John right there light, life and love Um, I heard pretty much like a lot of the same stuff. Um, Like you're called to be a light and step into the dark places and see what I have to give. I give and where you go, I'll go and give myself to the lost, the broken, and the hurt. Because it's not that we have anything to offer, but God always has something to offer. Um, basically, the thing I just kept hearing over and over again was he was just saying, me forever saving you and I'm giving you my sandals. Um, just with the theme of light, um, uh, to not just be a candle in the darkness because a candle is contained, be the fire because fire is catching. I just heard that I am with you. Receiving more freedom and peace daily. Always wait till I move up, right? I decided to speak. Um, I just felt like saying, like, what we're doing today, this vulnerability with each other, like, this is such a beautiful picture of what the world is actually looking for. And if we can start with it here in the church, being real, this authentic um, community with each other, then that's how revival has actually started. So I just just really want to, like, thank you for starting this here today. And I think it's the start of something amazing. All right. (laughs) Yeah, Father, I pray that we would be a people that model authentic vulnerability with each other, that our community would be the safest place for people because we are real with each other and we are honest with our process. And I pray that it would be contagious, that the people of of our communities would want to be a part of it. And I just pray right now, yeah, that this fire would just fall in our city, Lord. I pray right now that your fire would fall in our city and it would start with us being open and real with each other. And so I just pray for a grace for that right now in this community, a grace for vulnerability and for a release from shame that there would be no shame holding anyone back. There would be no shame holding anyone back from their freedom today, but they would access it in the fullness today. Thank you, Lord. For a long time, I've been hearing God say, I am the answer, but what's the question?
God just put on my heart um, on how the world views vulnerability and the world views it as a weakness, you know. But God was telling me that it's exactly opposite of that. To be vulnerable takes courage. To be vulnerable, you need strength. And so he gave me Joshua 1.9, and it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I'm more of a science-minded person, so I lack the like creativity that works with the worship team or the charisma that goes with preaching or anything like that. Um, and I just feel like God's saying that there's a place for you. There's a place. Um, sorry, I cry when because it gets my pride out of the way. But um, but there's a place for you in this. There's a place for you in God's kingdom moving forward, even if you don't look like it. Yeah. I just feel like um, we should celebrate our weaknesses, that we can boast in our weakness. Not only are we supposed to be vulnerable, but when we talk to people and they see the joy that we have in our lives, when they realize we're not perfect because we're boasting in our weakness, they say that Jesus is for me too because I'm also not perfect and it's good. So I get a lot of pictures from movies, and so I, when you said, think about, um, anyways, I just had seen first the picture of, like, it's like someone sticking their hand up to test, like, the wind, and then I, right away, I thought about Castaway, <laughs> and I was, like, thinking when Tom Hanks is going to, like, go off the island, but he was getting prepared, and then it was, like, then the flag changed because the wind changed, and the picture, or what I heard from that was just, give me what you have, and I'll carry you. It was like the, um, we're giving God our little, and then he'll take us beyond where we thought, you know, we thought we're stuck on this island, or we thought we're stuck in this place in life, and he'll take us beyond. And then I guess the, the kind of the scripture that I thought of in relation to that was like the loaves and fishes. It's like giving Jesus what you have, and he brings the multiplication on that, so... I didn't know what you were going to say, but when you were talking about uh, launch time there, Kevin, and then when you moment of silence, what's God saying to you? My mind always works on word plays. I, I heard lunch time, and I'm thinking about the story of the little boy to lunch, and uh, God, we think we don't have nothing to offer, really nothing, and and uh, just put it in His hands and that He'll so He'll increase it. So just encourage. So if there's a sense of insecurity here, and what do I really have to contribute to a movement, right? Because honestly, uh, it can sound really intimidating, right? We, we want to see revival across Canada. Go, ah, me, right? Like, I'm, whatever. And I, I, I want you to hear what has been spoken, because I think it's, yeah. it just it rings in my heart when you guys talk about that scripture. And I, I just want you guys to hear, you know what? It, in our minds, we think when we're finished, when we're completed, that's when God will use us, right? But it's in the working that, yeah. that he's using us. Right, so with a little we bring, God can use. And so you've, you've just again you've discounted yourself, right? And I get this, I get this, 
that you discounted yourself thinking, who am I? What am I going to do? You don't know where I work or where I live. I live in a small community. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. But, but we, we bring that lunch to Jesus, and he launches it. Right? That's really good. And I need to hear that. And I'm not alone. Apparently I am alone. Okay. <laughs> Embarrassing, Travis. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to pray to close, but I'm reminded of uh, Moses. And uh, he says, uh, you know, God, I, I can't speak. I can't do what you're calling me to do. And Moses, I mean, his story, how he even got to that point, he was saved as a baby. His story was his parents did this this mighty act to save his life. And here he's at this point in his life where it was all for that moment for him to actually do something. And he's like, God, I don't have anything. And God says, what's in your hand? And so, you know what? There's something in each of our hands. And, and we all have something. And it, it's amazing. We have, uh, as a lead team, and just if you've been tracking with us, we've been really just talking about community. And we believe that we're not just about a night, but we're about a lifestyle and how we live this out. And so I just, God's doing something. At the last resurgence, we just really felt there was a real marking point and. Uh, even tonight, something is different, and um, it's just a deep work that God's doing. And so, God, we thank you. We thank you, God. I thank you that every person in this place has something in their hand, has something that you've yeah. given, something to be used by you, that you can take our, 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 our loaves and our fishes. Our, we might seem the smallest, and it might seem unimportant and not valued, but, God, we break off shame, and we break off fear, and we break off guilt that, God, that we would be free, that we would be our sons and daughters of you. Our identity is firm in you. And tonight, God, I thank you for the word that challenged us to, to, to not have any shame in our lives, to not live in shame, to not be hidden, to not be fear. But, God, we break that off, that our hearts and our minds would be for you 100%. God, that where are you? You're asking us tonight, where are you? God, we want to be there. We want to be right where you are. God, we want to be right where you're calling us to be. Though we feel maybe inadequate and we feel like we don't have much, God, God, we have something. We have an ability to say yes to you. And we say yes to you tonight. We say yes to what you want to do in our lives. Whether that be at work, whether that be when we're just hanging out in the summer and just chilling out. God, we say yes to whatever you want to do. Yes to speaking to someone at the coffee shop or when we're getting an ice cream. God, whatever it calls us to do, we want to say yes, God. If that's launching into a dream or a new career or a new place or moving or, or whatever, God, we say yes. God, whatever you call us, give us faith to believe for the impossible, faith to see miracles happen every day, faith to step into the, 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 that heaven would invade our reality. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. God, as we go from here, would you just not stay here, but God, would you, you, you're with us. God, as we go, God that we would continue communing, that continue showing stuff in our heart that needs to be laid down at your altar, stuff that we have built, stuff that's just junk. We just lay that. We confess that to you. God, that we would leave here in freedom. Thank you, Lord. Amen.